We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Good morning and a happy Saturday to everyone. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis, uh, where we still have a few trees, excuse me, a few leaves on the trees, a few acorns still pelting cars as you drive down the street. And here to my right is. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. Hello? <laughs> Are we started? Did we start is this the show? On? Is this on? <laughs> Test, test. Hello, hello. This, yeah, this is Pastor Jolly. I'm sorry, I was just looking for something to start the show with, with a, a little bit of humor. This is Pastor Jolly John Lekomsky from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in uh, uh, New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt. And yeah, I'm sure all of our trees have probably lost their leaves, too. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> Please, I hope people will be sympathetic to us. This has been an incredibly hard day for us because we've doing our regular <laughs> WWB recording. Plus, a little slap plus we had to do this. Uh, uh, will Whedon is gone on vacation <laughs> the week of of Thanksgiving, and so we had that we pre-record. You know, thy strong word for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I tell you what, this will probably be the last time the last guest to do any of this before. John has been here at KPU. That's right. Since <laughs> 3 a.m. recording stuff. Oh, boy. Oh, by the way, this is... Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. <laughs> <laughs> and before we do anything else, hey, come and join us tonight at the Community Hall in New Athens, Illinois. We're having our annual spaghetti supper. We've been doing this for 43 years, Matt. For, how many years? 43 Holy years. Holy cow. Uh, and, and what's really neat is it's a super secret uh, spaghetti sauce recipe that even I don't have access to. Whoa. I inherited it when I came as a pastor there. It was already there. Is that right? And super secret. Secret uh, uh, French and Italian dressings too, and they're all to die for. Man, yeah. they they Every are good. Them, I have yeah. had it. I You've have had, had it. it. I will right. attest. It is worth the drive to New Athens. Yep. And so four Check to seven at the community hall. Don't come to the church, but go to the New Athens community hall because there's so many people we just could not accommodate everybody in our church's facilities. But uh, join us for that. Tonight. And you can buy a little jar of of salad you dressing can take too. It home. You can take it you home. You can take and it, it home. And it really it. is well worth it. It it's is. It's right. Good. And it happens once. Year. This is it. If you don't come now, you'll never get to see it until another year, until 2017. So that's something to Whoa. think about. <laughs> I, I will ponder that. I ponder that. By the okay. way, while we've been recording, you know, for the past six, yeah, seven hours, yeah. there's been this jug, this uh, two-gallon <laughs> jug of, of oil in the corner of the room. <laughs> I've got to rush that back, because that's for the spaghetti supper tonight. I don't know whether they use that on the spaghetti or whether they use it to make the dressings, but yeah. yeah, our, our, The station manager or whatever is official, the supervisor, the big the honcho, Gary yeah. Duncan is a member of my church, and so that was his donation. So he said, here, please take this for me so they can have it for the spaghetti supper. See, initially I thought we were going to just put on each other and wrestle. <laughs> oil up and wrestle. <laughs> That's a little Sorry. word to even come in here. Well, Paul and I used to do that, but I think, <laughs> you know, for you and me. Well, no. I, I appreciate that. All right. <laughs> 
So here, real quick, because I was fooling around trying to find this. Just real quick, a joke, a joke. So we have a joke. So we said we did our joke. How many gorillas does it take to change a light bulb, Matt? How many gorillas? Does uh, it I don't know, it? John. How many gorillas does it take? Just one, but of course it takes a whole lot of light bulbs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's our... All right, now, there's yeah. no time for foolishness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, we should have done that about five minutes ago. <laughs> I think we would have all been better for it, but... Now... That's okay. We have, uh, and this is, by the way, the, the uh, cusp of the conclusion of the church here, by the way, too. Yes, yes, uh, When, when you and I get together uh, uh, next week, it'll be the weekend of uh, the first Sunday in Advent, and the whole new church here will be starting. Here we go again. Um, but we have something very special for you as we close up this church year. A question I have wrestled with for many, many years has finally been answered for me. And the question was, why doesn't the Bible tell us a lot about heaven? Uh, we did an intensive study, Matt. Uh, we went on, I think, for at least two months, two and a half months, reading all the passages about heaven in the Bible. Because yes. we want to know what is heaven like. Sure. And you know what we learned after two and a half months? What did you learn? It doesn't say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. a very brief sessions together. <laughs> well, it basically tells you there won't be any pain or suffering or sorrow or tears. It tells you what it isn't, but there's very little description of what it will be like. And I now finally realize why that is, because if we knew what heaven was like, we would be incredibly sad here. We just would be. In fact, the only reason I think we can tolerate living on this world is because we don't know anything different. This is yeah. just how life is. Yeah. But truly, if you actually knew the glories of heaven, well, we cry out already, come Lord Jesus. But I, I don't know that we could stand it being here if you really knew what heaven was like. It just would make us incredibly sad. I say that as a word of warning because we're actually going to give people a little glimpse of heaven. But it's not going to make us happy. It's going to make us sad. But I hope we can also provide some hope and some comfort. Good. So I hope for hope. But isn't uh, it? Yeah, I, th I think you're you're right. We can't even imagine what heaven's like beyond our imagination. And and, and no sin. You know, they talk about the absence of things, the absence yeah. of sin. Uh, us as sinners, people sinning against us. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, like you said, it, to maybe if we knew what heaven was like, to not be content or to be uh, to be sad, you know, yes. here on this earth. There, there's a story apparently that after uh, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead four days, oh, yep, yep. Lazarus never smiled anymore. I, I can see that he had a glimpse of heaven, perhaps, that. and now he's back here in this fallen world. Paul in Romans says that the glories of heaven will be so great, we, we won't even remember the things that made us sad here on this earth. Well, if that's true, probably the opposite is true, too. If we saw the glories now, we would just be incredibly saddened by the things we see on this yeah. earth. I'd never heard that story about Lazarus, but I can see that. I think that would be true. Yeah. In fact, you think maybe that's why Jesus was a little bit reluctant to call him back, knowing what he was going to do? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Is yeah. he doing him a favor by <laughs> calling yeah. him up from the grave? Yeah. Oh, so, boy, certainly a foretaste of his own resurrection, but, yeah, poor Lazarus in some respects. Oh. Well, so here's the text that gives us just a brief glimpse of what heaven is like, and yet, like I said, I, I don't think it's going to make us happy because it just shows us, well, shows us what we are and what the world is like that we live in now. Would you look at Luke chapter 20, Matt, and read for us okay. from verse 27. Luke 20, verse 27. There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. 
The first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven, seven left no children and died. Afterward, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as wife. What, what do you know about these Sadducees, Matt? By the way, it's the only time Luke mentions them. What, what do you know about them? Anything? Anything worth saying about these Sadducees? Like the song says they are sad, you see. see? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, maybe the reason they're so sad <laughs> uh, is because they don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. So, yeah. so really, sort of the two of the, the main Jewish sects at the time uh, were the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they did believe in a resurrection. Yes, they did. Uh, but the Sadducees did not. In fact, Paul even kind of uses that at one point to kind of get them to argue with each other, and, ah. and it's kind of almost a comical situation. But but here, the Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection seem to be trying to trap Jesus, uh, maybe trap him in his words, or maybe uh, try to prove their point that, oh, the resurrection, that's just not... That's not logical. That can't be. You know, we complain about how secular our government is is becoming, and it's kind of surprising. The Sadducees were the dominant uh, ruling force in the time of Jesus. Uh, the priests came from the Sadducee sect. The majority of the uh, uh, people who were on the tr- ruling council, the Sanhedrin, yes. come from the Sadducees. And, and like you said, they are, they are a totally secular group, which is hard to believe. How could you be a Jew and be secular? And yet, I suppose we have a whole generation of Jews. Jewish people today that are secular. Pretty secular. Uh, They don't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in angels, Matt. Uh, The only books of the Bible they recognized were the first five books of Moses. They didn't believe in spirits. And in fact, I think they questioned whether there really was any life uh, hereafter. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh, boy. So like you say, sad, you see. Yeah. Um, and of course, that's why they bring up this rather strange Leverett law, uh, uh, where if if uh, you did not have a child and your husband died, it was the responsibility for the husband, or the brother, rather, to come and try to give you a child. And in this case, we have seven brothers. And the point is, well, isn't this ludicrous? How can there be a resurrection from the dead? How can people come back bodily? Because then you're going to have all of these strange situations where you had seven husbands. Well, who's going to be your husband now? Uh, which, of course, actually is a thing I wrestle with because I've had two wives. And I'm wondering, what will that be like in, in the life hereafter? Will they be fighting over me? Or or maybe they'll just be saying, you can have him. I, I'm not sure. But you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Pass them off on someone else. <laughs> it does seem, I can see their point. Yes. It really does. How, how will there be a, a life after death, especially a bodily resurrected life? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, too many complications that will arise from this. Any other thoughts or comments about the premise here that they, they're challenging Jesus on the resurrection? Well, we see this law in action. We see it in places like uh, Judah's family, right? Oh, yeah. Where Tamar, yeah. Uh, remember his, his daughter-in-law, uh, his, oh, marries Judah's oldest yeah. son and dies and, you know, Onan tries to, you know, produce offspring or really doesn't try yeah, and he yeah. dies and, and we see her kind of take matters in her own hands in that respect and ends up having a child through Judah. But anyway, uh, so we see this law at work, certainly. That's something that did take place. But as you point out, the Sadducees, they, they really don't care about the law. They, no. they just want to try to trap Jesus here, and they want to maybe prove their point of no resurrection. And, and I can almost hear them chuckling uh, under their breath as I say this, because they think that this just proves how ridiculous it would be. Yeah. yeah. One woman with seven husbands. Yeah. That couldn't be. Yeah. So read Jesus' answer, if you would, Matt. So uh, Jesus uh, says to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, 
they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. All right, let's just stop there because the next thing is is what what's the hopeful thing in this text, the thing of great comfort. Um, you have to understand what Jesus means when he says these these sons of the resurrection, these these people who are in heaven, that they're equal to angels. Because uh, the point here isn't that they're going to have wings and they're going to fly around. Like, that's necessarily characteristic of angels. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but the point he's making here is that when God created angels, he had an exact number of angels he created. Uh, now, the Bible doesn't tell us what that number is, but it's a lot of them, so I'm going with Googleplex. That's the biggest number. Well, now, you're well, a young, what's the, what's the well, number? Well, I'm sorry. When I was in, in my day, when they taught yes, me math, yeah. Googleplex was the biggest. That was the biggest number. Yeah. Huh? Is there a bigger number now? When or do you know? Googleplex is the biggest that number? That was the biggest number they told okay. us. Well, I don't we, remember what, what it Googleplex was. Googleplex plus one. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> But that's exactly my point. He did not make Googleplex plus one angels or Googleplex minus five angels. He had an exact number of angels in mind, and that's what he made. That's what he created. And that's what Jesus is saying how it will be in heaven. The exact number of people who are his children, who are the sons of the resurrection. I just love that title because that's you and me and everybody listening to us. We are the sons of the resurrection. God knew that from the beginning. He had ordained that, the Bible says. He knows the exact number of people that are going to be in heaven. There won't be uh, a few too many or a few too little. He's got that all figured out. And that's why Jesus says we don't need to have marriage or given in marriage anymore. By the way, Matt, please notice it doesn't say there won't be beer. Okay? So we can still or Oreos. There or may Oreos. be Oreos. I'm not going to roll that out. But there will be no marital relationships because it serves no purpose anymore because we got all of the people we have. We are equal to angels and that the very number ordained by God has finally been arrived at in heaven. Now, the impact of that is it helps us understand why there had to be a leveret law in the first place, why a brother would be going into his brother's wife and trying to have a child because the thought was... We've got to fulfill that number. That's our job, to make sons of the resurrection. In fact, it goes all the way back to Genesis. You know what I'm alluding to in Genesis 1? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. It'll be fruitful and multiply, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why he made us male and female, to be fruitful and multiply. And the Jews really took that seriously. In fact, if you were a woman and could not have a child, that was considered the greatest uh, struggle and trial. Because, no, you've got to be part in this process of making up the number of the sons of the resurrection. That is, well, Paul says that, doesn't he? that very, it sounds so peculiar for us, but Paul says they will be saved by childbearing. But it reflects that Jewish thought that, yes, this is our plan for us as male and particularly female to make up the number of those who will be in heaven, yeah. uh, the sons of the resurrection. However, this is what made me incredibly sad. So we've got this little glimpse of heaven where there is no marriage or given in marriage. Hopefully Oreos and beer. Uh, uh, we don't know. See, it doesn't tell us about Oreos and beer. We don't know. Beer. We don't know. It, it doesn't say they won't be there. But what makes me sad is, is Matt, and, and run me, run with me in this. Okay. Think, think what happens and how people regard children here in this world in this time. Do we see them as the sons of resurrection? Do we regard them as the children of God? Um, I'm going to touch upon a real delicate subject if I could right now, because I know we probably have listeners that have uh, homosexual friends or homosexual family members. And, and, you know, I I would remind everybody that God does not call us to shun the sinner, but he calls us to deal with them in compassion, okay? 
yeah, we're all sinners. God offers his love to all men. But to me, the problem with homosexuality isn't that it's some kind of gross immorality, but it's selfish because you have purposely chosen a a mate who cannot be fruitful and multiply. By definition, you're not going to be able to follow this calling of God to make sons of resurrection. It's the same problem with adultery, Matt. Uh, uh, because in adultery, what's the last thing you want? Oh, you don't want a kid, right? Oh, take David and Bathsheba. Yeah, Things are going great, right? Visible evidence of the adultery? Yep. Then he added the problems when she got pregnant. So I think that's at the heart of adultery, because you precisely don't want to be fruitful and multiply. And in fact, sad to say, and I'm sure you've seen this in your ministry, that you will have the adulterous partner actually leave their real children to go cleave into this person that really doesn't belong to them at all. We could add to that the abuse of children. We could add to that those who abandon their If you regarded them as the sons of the resurrection, could you ever abandon them? Of course, at this point, I'm thinking, Matt, because you, you, you tell us about your family. <laughs> well, wow. well, my family, I've got uh, two children we've been blessed with, Noah is 12. Oh, he just, never mind, he turned 13 ah, on the 10th. okay. Uh, Martin Luther's birthday, by the way. There and you then go. also our daughter, Anna, who's eight years old. And we've, I've got, uh, my kids are much older than yours since I, I'm the old guy the here. The old guy. But uh, yeah, we've got Naomi and, and John and Josh all well into their 30s and stuff. Uh, but see, the thing that concerned me is, are we now being like that Pharisee saying, thank God I'm not like other men. You know, I have my kids. I love my kids. But I'm not so sure that, that we don't indulge in this selfishness with children as well, Matt. I, I think of the generation before us that might have had 10, 12 kids. But do you think they were having a dozen kids because they were concerned about making sons of the, the resurrection? resurrection. <laughs> or was it because, hey, we need a lot of people to take care of us and provide for sure. us, right? Some more hands to work on the farm. And now, of course, not, not picking on you or anyone else, but we don't want to have a lot of kids. But again, is it... Or is it because we're selfish, too? We just don't want to spend the money. It's too much trouble. You know, two kids are more than enough. And and uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. But my point is, yeah, that's what makes me sad because I look at the way we regard children today, and I'm, I'm afraid that we're not thinking about the fact that they are to be God's sons. Uh, but we do kind of regard them in a selfish way. Uh, how, many, how many people are more focused on their kids' academic career, their their sports career, and they totally forget that the chief thing is that we let our children know they are the chosen ones of God. They're mm-hmm. his children. They are to be his sons of resurrection. So anyway, that's my bemoaning uh, what this terrible, horrible, sinful world is like when it comes to children. And that's the sadness that comes when you see what it really should be like in heaven. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the, the, the other one, too, is, is just to add to the list, the abortion itself. Oh, yeah, I mean, just, yeah. a, you know, an unwanted child um, you know, to just end that life. Yeah. Boy, you, a lot there, John. Boy, you threw out a lot. But I, I, I appreciate how you go back to Genesis and you, yeah, you started there yeah. in that admonition to be fruitful, multiply that picture of, of marriage before sin is even in the world between Adam and Eve. Um, yeah, yeah, good. But going back to Genesis is what provides the hope that I was hoping to be able to give people. Because you see, they practice the Leverett Law not only with the thought that we need to make the sons of the resurrection, we need to fulfill that number God has ordained, but it became particularly important after Adam and Eve fell in sin. 
because then we had that promise in Genesis 3 that one of those offspring, one of that offspring of Eve was going to be the one who would save the world, who would crush the head of the devil. And that was the other reason why you wanted to have a child, because maybe your child would be that chosen Savior. And of course, that is happening in our text, isn't it? This child who is speaking to us now, this child of Mary, he is the chosen one. Could you read the final words of comfort he speaks to us who live in a very sinful world where you don't even know how to treat children right? But read those concluding words, if you would, Matt. All right, very good. Uh, 37, verse, verse 37. Verse 37 yeah. of Luke 20. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all who live to him. Then some of the scribes answer, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dare to ask him any question. You know, it occurs to me when you hear that last thing and they no longer dared to ask him any question, we might be like the cubbies and think, ah, we're winning, we're winning. But of course, no, that's the beginning of the end, isn't it, Matt? Now that they can't argue with him, now that they can't win with words, they're going to put their plan into action to kill him. Of course, Jesus knows that. Of course, the father knew that, didn't he? When he ordained that number of sons, he knew what that was going to cost him, the death of his only begotten son. Because that's the thing, Matt, this, this uh, uh, sons of the resurrection. Did you see how they were described in the text? Those who are considered worthy to attain the age, see? It's not that they're good people. Mm-hmm. No, no, these, mm-hmm. are, these aren't holy people. These are not fine men and women. No, these are all sinners, but they're going to be worthy. They're going to be accounted worthy because of the sacrifice that you shared with us last week, right? This Jesus Christ, this redemption, this propitiation, that passage from Romans you had. Uh, and, and now here's the great comfort. Even though we are sinners, even though we probably haven't treated our children the way we should, here's the promise. We're not, he's not the God of the dead, Matt. He's the God of the living, and all live to him. And so I think about those we call mother and father and brother and sister, uh, and maybe even we call them sons and daughters, and they're dead to us. And yet what a comfort to know that in Jesus Christ they are still alive to God, and someday we'll be alive to him too, uh, joined together in this place where there may be beer and Oreos, we don't know. <laughs> But there won't be any need for uh, husband or wife. Um, can I just tell you a real quick way how I think this is going to work out? Yeah, when go I ahead. Get to heaven? Yeah. Uh, I don't think Lynn and, and, and Jan will be fighting over me because we will have this perfect relationship with God. It'll be full and complete. We will know without any doubts or questions the love that God has for us, and that will change our relationship with each other too. So there'll be no jealousies. There'll, there'll be no, you know, mom loved you better than no, me. No, of course that. not. Yeah, yeah. So it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be. We're all going to be together, uh, loving one another, and and knowing that we are all loved by Lord, by the Lord. So, and 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 in a way, when I think about that, that our marriages, that relationship between husband and wife, is really meant for this for this yeah. life. Yeah. And in some ways, it kind of saddens me to know that, yeah, that Lisa does. and I are, are husband and wife just for the 80, 90, however many years yep. the Lord blesses oh, God us bless with. You with that. Um, but. Uh, maybe that makes us treasure those years all the more. That that this is a gift from God for a certain amount of time as husband and wife, that relationship. Let's enjoy it while we're here. And then when we're in heaven, yeah, we'll we'll enjoy each other in a different way. And and the neat thing is, Matt, and I know how much you love your wife, Lisa, and I know how much I love my wife, Lynn. And isn't it amazing to think the love we'll have for each other in heaven will be better than that and greater. And I think, how could that be? But it will be. It will be. 
The joys of heaven. So thank you for sharing that. And yeah, thanks for the thank insight. Thank you for listening and sharing with us. We'll see you next week on Wrestling with the Basics as we begin a new church year and uh, a new Saturday morning full of just wonderful treasures from, <laughs> from Pastor John, John Lecumskin, Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. Take care.